0: Here we are ready to go, uh, ready to listen to what God has to say to us today. And I'm not sure about you, but I know for myself that time of worship was deeply meaningful and I know that God's presence is with us. Um, He desires, He longs for us to connect with Him today. And so it's just my prayer, our prayer that your ears would be open, that you'd be ready to receive from God what He has for us all today. Now you might be there sitting there, standing there thinking, crisis? This this isn't a crisis. This is actually really good news. I can finally go to church, and there can be a handshaking time that I don't have to participate in. So for you that's there, that could be really good news. For some of you, you're thinking, you know what? This is the only crisis in all of this is the fact that I am locked in a house with this person. So that might be an option. but. To be honest, for some of us, this really is a crisis. I know I have friends that have lost jobs, are facing uncertainty, things are in transition, things are in flux, and when we look at this whole world, we know that this is a unique time, that this pandemic has shifted the way we do life and the way we think about life, and it stirs up all sorts of questions. Questions like, how do we actually be Christian right now? What does it look like for us to give and receive love? How do I participate in building the kingdom in a day and age like today? So that's where we're going to go. The world is in crisis mode. So how do we respond to that? How do we live in that? How do we love well? This past week, I was uh, doing a devotion, and I came to this passage. Uh, You can turn with me to Matthew twenty. Uh, Matthew 25 actually and I was reading the passage in Matthew twenty-five thirty-one, and it was the sheep and the goats so I'm going to read this to you it challenged me and I feel like this is important for us today when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from the other as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink I was a stranger and you invited me in see where I'm going with this the questions are starting to maybe rise in your mind I needed clothes and you clothed me I was sick and you looked after me I was in prison and you came to visit me as I was reading this passage sitting at home on my own as opposed to being off on the road getting ready to do work It it struck me as odd. How, how How, in fact, in this day and age can I live out this passage? How do I be Christian? How do I love when I'm locked up in a room or we're separated by distance? And so as I was wrestling through that, maybe you've not thought about that. Maybe this isn't a question on your mind right now. Maybe other things are more pressing. But I do know us, as Christians, this question will, at some point, press into our lives while we're in this unique season. Because we are called to be followers of God's word, following after Jesus, looking for opportunities for us to do what is told of us. And yet, how do we do this? It reminded me of, there's the really good book um, and great author uh, who wrote the uh, Five Love Languages, Gary Chapman. And so I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, in this day and age, in this moment right now, there's these different, these five, if you've not read the book, it's an interesting book on how we love one another. So just work with me on this, because this is the challenge that's growing in our culture as Christians. We have to figure this out. So words of affirmations is a one way for us to give and show love. Okay, you know what, we could probably do that in this era. Send a text, reach out. Send a word of affirmation. Gifts. Wrap a package. Mail it. Hope that it takes more than four days to get to the recipient so that anything on there has been decontaminated. Acts of service. Getting a little bit more difficult for us to do right now. Quality time. What does that look like, right? These are good questions for us to wrestle with. And then the final one, the act of love through the gift of touch. kind of hard to do. Now, if you're sitting with a person right now, you can look at them and be like, I love you, and you can, like, give a high five. Um, But for a lot of us, it's going to be really hard for us to show love in a time like this. So that's where we're at. That's the question we're going to be resolving. We're going to be wrestling through it. I don't think we're going to get it all figured out right now, but we are going to work on the tension in this question and solve some things there. Okay. For us to get there and for us to go there, I would like us to look and go to Mark chapter 4, 35. Mark 4, 35. And you're going to maybe, when you're flipping through your Bible, you're going to get to this passage and you're going to ask the question, Trent, what does this have to do with love? What does this have to do with loving others in a time of crisis? We're going to get to that. So find the passage, Mark 4, 35. And we're going to, I'm going to read this story, we're going to get into it a little bit, and we're going to discover a couple of important things that come for us as we reflect on how we love each other. All right, so let me jump to there as well. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was, uh, just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. Now a furious squall came up. The waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, "'Teacher, don't you care if we drown?' Don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves. Be quiet, be still, Jesus said. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why were you so afraid? Have you still no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So in this passage, we have the disciples acting normal, right? Sometimes we read this passage and we think to ourselves, oh, come on, disciples, you need to figure this out. We all know that you're supposed to trust Jesus and he's going to take care of everything, but they're being real. They're experiencing something that's trauma. They're working through it. This is so important, and this is the first point of four points that I want to share with us about how we love in this unique time of crisis. First thing for us to do is we've got to get in touch with reality. So what's the reality in this situation? These guys, they're in a boat, and things go really bad. It's actually a problem. It's a real problem, which will uh, require a real solution. All right? Some of us today are sitting in our homes thinking, this all out here, it's not a problem, whatever. And you've downgraded it. And you're not giving it the serious uh, reflection that our government and World Health Organization is saying, we need to take this seriously. So for us to live in a place of love to others, we still need to first take this event seriously, a reality check. Now, it also means that we're not to be like fearful of it, right? But there needs to be an honest reality check. Because until we ask real questions about real situations, we're not going to get real answers and real Um, conclusions to where we're at in our lives. So we've got to get in touch with reality. Um, And how does that connect with love? Until we've attached ourselves to something that's real, we're going to be offering love in ways that people might actually find offensive. People might find it hurtful or confusing. It's like, hey, let's do this or I want to do this. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like Society is saying this. Let's be real. So that's the first thing in this unique situation. We've got to get in touch with reality now right along with that we also need to get honest with God so before anything else get in touch with reality get in touch with yourself being like I'm actually afraid of this situation this is real this is how I'm feeling also you want to get in touch with God you want to get honest with God I love that the disciples in this situation this is what they did not do so picture with me this all right they're in a boat Things are going really bad. Jesus is sleeping. They decide for themselves. Jesus doesn't care, obviously. He's sleeping. If he cared, he would have woken up and done something. I'm just going to leave him there, and I'm going to try and solve this problem myself. If the disciples had done that, this would have been a very different story. We don't know what would have turned up, but what we do know is these disciples noticed that they were in trouble, noticed that there was a problem, and then they got honest with God, and they got honest with Jesus, and they turned and said, don't you care? Don't you care about us? We're about to die. This is a real situation. If they didn't actually think it was a problem, they would have ignored it, maybe been capsized. If they believed that God didn't care, that God wasn't actually available to solve something, then maybe they wouldn't even have woken him up. So these disciples... While sometimes we look at this story and kind of say, uh, you're not really being a great disciple, I actually think that they're being pretty good disciples because they came into a crisis, they didn't downgrade it, and then they actually went to Jesus. That's everything. If we in our, like, we could stop right now, hit pause, over, right? In a moment of crisis, turn to Jesus. Turn to him with everything. And it's okay if the question is, don't you care? It's OK that that's the question. And so that's where we have it. Um, earlier this week, this has been a pretty hard week for me, I'll be honest. Um, earlier this week, um, I was on, on my own. I was, not, like, I was at home. And I was really wrestling with, like, what do I do with this time and in this space? And like, how am I supposed to work this all out? And I was feeling really stressed and worked up. And then I turned to my roommate, who happened to be there, and be like, Guy, 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 I need some time of prayer. We need to talk. I need to talk this out with God. And not anywhere in my mind did I realize what was actually at work. So I thought I had this crisis thing to solve with this world we're living in and like, how do I do work from at home? I sit down, I start praying with my roommate, and instantly, as I'm praying, not before, not a moment before, but as I'm praying, Images and thoughts and emotions of my dear friend Evelyn who passed away a couple of weeks ago And I was at their funeral or at the memorial service just this past uh, Saturday all of a sudden that was the moment Where grief showed up in my life and it just floored me and like I cried And it was real and I had a I had a roommate there to help me out and In that moment after all kind of the tears and everything and I worked through it I actually had this sense of, God, you, I was not expecting this. This was not an emotion I had anticipated. I thought that this all this problem was about what's going on in the world and what's going on uh, in my own life. But then as I'm praying, God cracks open my heart, reveals what's actually going on. And I cry, I work through the grief, I come out the other end of it, and I'm just like, God, thank you so much. You truly are the best counselor. God, you really are the best counselor. When we get honest with God, when we are attached to our current reality, when we actually are aware of what's going on in our lives, and when we actually get honest with God, he's able to start doing things in our lives that we couldn't anticipate. He allows us to start to deal with stuff, work through stuff, see things, In Psalms 42, verse 5, David says, Why am I so discouraged? Why am I so disturbed in my soul? Why am I sad? As he's asking that question, just the next moment later, he declares, God is good. Right? In this season, we cannot love people well if we haven't come to terms with what's actually going on in our lives. If we're all a storm inside and we haven't cried out to God, Don't you care? We're not going to be able to care for other people, other people. So that's something for us to consider. Now in the story, let's turn to Jesus. Let's turn to his personality um, and what he does in this moment. So you'll see with me if you go and turn back and you'll look, and you'll notice, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. All right. So some of you actually might be half sleeping on a cushion right now. That's not what I'm talking about, but, you know, Jesus was sleeping on a cushion. It was a long day. He was tired. And what's interesting to me was the worries and fears of other people was not affecting him. I'm just going to say that again. This isn't about a crisis. The worries and fears of other people was not affecting him. There was still wind. There was still waves. There was still the possibility of a boat being capsized. We're not diminishing that there was a crisis happening, but the fears and the worries of the disciples was not affecting him. That is such an important thing for us to realize because we will get tossed around. We are going to be destroyed by the worries of other people. We're going to let the fears and their negativity or their... um, grandiose thinking or whatever the case might be get into us and shape us and affect us in this moment jesus is tethered to the father by the holy spirit and he is calm the world around him is raging he is calm and in his calm presence he responds to the crisis he speaks directly to the problem and he resolves it that is a beautiful thing for us to realize this is not an opportunity for us to get caught up in the fears of others. This is not a time for us to worry for on behalf of others. If you're afraid right now, I understand. If you're worried, that makes sense. Direct those prayers to God, but let's live in the way that Jesus is living right now, which he is not being affected emotionally by other people's worries and fears and anxieties. Doesn't mean he doesn't care doesn't mean he doesn't respond with deep love. In fact, he's able to respond with more love and more care because of this. So that's something that's really beautiful in the story. You might not really notice it when you read it at first, but it does start to emerge that Jesus, he is a calm in the storm, and I believe that God is calling all of us to be a calm in the storm in our, in our world. And because we have a hope in Jesus Christ, we actually can be. We're not just going to be saying, oh, we don't have to worry. We're going to say, we have someone we can trust. We have a God who is bigger and greater and mightier. And that brings me to the next point. Jesus solves this problem through his power and through his authority. You know what? We live in a world, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We don't know what three weeks or three months is going to look like. But what we as Christians can be certain of, what we can be solid in, Is that God is in control and he is powerful. He is. He truly is. Um, It's easy for us to forget that. It's easy for me to forget that. It's easy for me to want to solve my own problems, to resolve the conflict in my own life, to do all of these things, but God is in control and he is powerful. This is a season for us to trust in the creative power of God. When I look back through history, And I look back through all of the different crises that happened throughout the world. Um, You go back years and years ago, the early Christians, they saw a problem. There were Romans that were throwing their babies out just to die in the gutter. Christians saw that and said, this is not okay. They started gathering up the babies and they started the first orphanages. That, That was a creative response to a crisis that came from the Spirit of God. That's not something that just people would do. That's God's desire for reconciliation and beauty in the world. Or you jump a couple more years down the road, and then we actually have the past plagues. And in those situations, different than now, there were no hospitals. People were terrified. The mysteries of all of the illnesses were terrifying people. And the Christians were the ones that said, I'm going to go into the scariest place. I'm going to grab people. I'm going to love people in this space. And in the process of doing all of that, started the first hospitals. We, as Christians, empowered by the Spirit of God, the creative power of God, we have at our disposal the capacity to begin to solve problems and give hope in a hopeless environment. That's something that we can be excited for as Christians. And I'm excited to see what this world is going to receive from the church. Is that something you're excited for? Is that something you're believing is possible? Or do we just sit back and watch and let the professionals do something? We are spiritual professionals. And the Spirit of God is alive in the church and is strong and mighty. And this is such a good time for us to speak love and hope and truth. Jesus is greater than the storm. He can calm the storm in your own life, He can calm the storms in our friends and in our neighbors. And from that place, we are now able to love well. And you might be thinking, "Okay, Trent, great. Thank you. You've said all of these things. You actually haven't gotten to the question of, how do I love? How do we actually do this? Um, So going back to the question, all of these things are precursors. Because if we are a mess, and we try to love, and we might just get all locked up in our own problems. But, this is something that God is able to do. Because right after that story, Jesus calms the storm. The next story, the very next story, and you can read it later, is he goes to the other side, and there's this demoniac, this guy that's crazy, comes running. No one's known how to help him. And Jesus heals that one man. Then the very next story after that, Jesus is walking, and a man named Jairus comes and has these problems with his, his daughter is dying, and Jesus looks at the men and says, yep, I'm coming. I'm going to heal your daughter. On the way, a woman broken and bleeding in desperate need, Jesus stops everything and he sees the one, looks down at her, and responds in love in that moment. Jesus is the way and the truth for us to live and how to live a life of love. So Jesus leaves the 99, goes after the 1. We've heard that before. In this, these Mark stories, Jesus sees the 1 and loves them fully right where they're at. So going back to earlier in the week when I was reading that passage and I was feeling a bit of despair, being like, how am I going to love in this time right now when I can't do anything that this passage is saying? I read this passage by Mother Teresa, and I'd like to read it for us today. She said this, I never look at the masses as my responsibility. I look at the individual. I can only love one person at a time. Just one. 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 So you begin. I began. I picked up one person. Maybe if I didn't pick up that one person, I wouldn't have picked up 42,000. The same thing goes for you. The same thing in your family. The same thing in your church, your community. Just begin. One, one, one. In that quote, I sensed a great reminder. Jesus stooped down and he looked at the one. He healed the one, one at a time. He forgave one at a time. And in his divine nature, even right now, he gives love, he looks right at you and he gives love to you right now. Uninterrupted attention to you, to all of us love just the one. So how do I, how do you, how do we today and tomorrow begin to see Jesus Christ in the other? How do we begin to meet those needs? I believe that we just need to simplify the call of the church. Make it real simple. There's so much stuff going on that we, if we could just boil it down to that one thing, Love that one person. If you're in a home right now where there's other people, give them all of your love, 100% of it, undivided attention. If you're a spouse, turn to your spouse, and in all of this time, put the phone away and put the Netflix away and give undivided attention. Or to your kids, pick up the phone, make the phone call to that one person. If you're feeling crushed by what to do in all of it, just do one of those things social isolation presents a new opportunity for us new ways for us to love others and while i'm not exactly sure how you're going to do it what i can know is that if we choose to just take one step of love to whoever's around us god expands our heart shifts our priorities what mattered a lot in our worlds what the crisis for us gets diminished as we love that one person things begin to change. Our hearts begin to grow. And in all of that, God's creative power will be at work. I am looking forward to how our church is going to love one another in this season. And I truly believe that we're going to find ways to love each other more than we ever had in the past. That we're actually going to become a church that's more loving, more caring, as hard as that's to believe, because we're pretty good at it. We're going to love more. So allow the Holy Spirit to activate your imagination and simplify the problem, simplify the challenge down to the one. So if you're a family and you have kids with you and they've been working on their little piece of paper, at the very back of that piece of paper, there's actually some really good tips for how to love, all right? Just really basic. Make a card for someone. Call or chat with a friend or a family member. Do something nice for a sibling or a parent. And the last one maybe doesn't quite count, but I still think it could be considered lovely and loving. Make a funny video and share it uh, with someone. Renfrew, my friends, my family, let's simplify this. Let's do those four things. Let's have a reality check. Let's get honest with God so that he can be the counselor he desires to be in your life trust in the powerful, the creative power of our God, and love the one, just the one, and trust God to expand our hearts and our creativity to do things we could never have imagined doing in a strange time like this. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, help me love just the one, and love really, really well Help me to be obedient to your call. Help all of us. Help those watching right now to be aware of your presence, that you are calling all of us to love. And Lord, if there's a storm in our lives, which I am sure there are many, I ask that you give us the strength, give us the courage, give us the the desire to reach out to you and cry out, don't you care? Don't you care about my situation? Because, Lord, I know, and your word proclaims it clearly, that you respond. You are a God that is present and real and active in this world. And if we would trust in you, we know that things will go different in our lives. Maybe a crisis won't change, but our hearts, our disposition will change. Jesus, you are the way. You are the truth and the life. And this is an opportunity, this is a moment for all of us right now to choose to trust you with our entire lives, to align our hearts with what matters to you, and then to simplify all of this and just love that one person and then the next person. God, you are good. Thank you for this time together. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for giving the time to be in with others in the house of the Lord your home is a home for the Lord and I'd like to read this passage found in 2nd Timothy to you as a benediction for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God for the Spirit of God gave us for what the Spirit of God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power love and self-discipline may you go in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the knowledge of what is good and true, following after Jesus, allowing the creativity of what he is up to, fueling us into these days ahead. I am excited for us, Renfrew. I am excited. Go in peace.